have a few announcements. Uh, when you walked in, I hope you saw that there's coffee and tea. That, um, in, uh, please help yourself. There's also a connection card or a program. Um, in it, you'll find our Kids City News. Learn what our children are up to. They're downstairs. Um, also, this is a place to share about you. We want to know about you, what's going on. If you have requests, questions, ideas, um, you can put that right there on the Connect card. Um, also, we have an app, and you can download it. You can search for it on We Are Restore or We Are Restore eChurch in the App Store. Um, we also have an online bookmark. It's also on the Restore Church app. Hope you're getting the hint. The app is really great. I also love to use bookmark for my for my Bible too. So just click on today's scripture and you'll find the bookmark. That's what we've been doing for a while, and we get to do it all together. Um, if you were here last week, you got to hear my husband update us on our financial health. You may have also heard him share that I muttered a little something to him. It went something like, "Hey, Dusty." Don't make a mistake. You'll embarrass me and cause shame upon our whole household. He did mention that he thought I was joking. And so while I'm up here, I want to take the opportunity to say that, yes, I was joking. And I thought that he did a great job. And there was no inch upon our household. Uh, but in sharing, he, he challenged us. He did a great challenge. It was about giving, and he challenged us to consider if we are already here at Restore Giving to make automatic payments. That challenge is still out there. Um, to consider giving 5 or maybe 10% more, that challenge is there, or to just start giving. Um, this is our responsibility. This is our church, and so we invite you, you to do that. And you can do that on our website, which is wearerestore.com, and click Give. And of course, if giving to restore isn't the place for you, that's and to um, But we we have learned through Jesus, and we so we strongly recommend to give to something, anything that you believe in, because a generous life is a good life. So this is exciting. Another announcement is we have a new Bible study gathering. It starts this week on February 26th, and it's open to both men and women. And our Zach, can you wave your hand? He's back there. If you have, he is leading it for us. Um, he's on the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Group will meet Tuesday nights at our living room space from 7:30 to 9. And if you would like to check it out or have questions, you can use those forms of communication, whether it's through our connection card or about this. Um, and then Zach will get in contact with you. I'm pretty excited about this announcement. It's been brewing for a while. We've got our women's retreat. We even have a graphic. Is it up there? Yes. <laughs> so it's from April 5th through the 7th. It's $150, and it covers your lodging and your meals, some respite. Um, you can register on wearerestore.com. Click on the women's retreat registration to sign up. We do have a deadline. We need all registration by March 19th. And really, I just want to get more excited about the people that are coming. 
that I can be praying specifically for you and um, to other women and talking to you about it and planning. So I really urge you to do this. It's a great way to connect to other women, um, to experience Jesus in a way through your fellow women, and, um, and to have fun, too. <laughs> I really like fun. I like that F word. Um, lastly, this is exciting. We've had a few refugee um, uh, trips, and we're going abroad again. We're going to Katerini, Greece. This is over my birthday, so that's an important piece of it, August 8th through 15th, um, just shy of Aaron Thomas's birthday on the 16th. So um, shout out, ooh, ooh, Restore Church <laughs> and the Foundry Church, our sister church in Baltimore, oh, and do teaming up for this one. So this will be a really special group of people. Um, to go and do this effort. We're going with the local Greek, we're helping with the local Greek efforts in resettling Syrian refugees. So that's pretty special. There will be a meeting on March 10th, and it's immediately after service downstairs in the Kids City Room. We'll talk about trip goals, logistics, cost, fundraising, um, and answer questions. So if you're remotely, just remotely interested, this isn't a commitment, remotely interested, um, please come by. And meeting will be about 30 to 45 minutes long. So that's it for announcements. Let's get ready to listen to what the Lord has Pastor Aaron's heart for us. People have been calling me Pastor Aaron for 14 years, and I still makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, all right. You guys want to turn to page 772 in your Bible? We're going we're gonna to be reading that section here shortly. Today is the last Sunday of Epiphany. So Epiphany is the season on the church calendar that celebrates the illumination of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And specifically, it's referring to the moment in Matthew 2 when the Magi visit baby Jesus, and they are the first Gentiles to lay eyes upon this new king of all humankind. And so it marks this celebration of now God's love has been extended to beyond the Jewish people to all people, both past, present, and future. So it's a very celebratory season Leads up to Lent. Lent, uh, Ash Wednesday, is March 6th, so that's coming up pretty soon. And that's a six-week season leading up to Easter. So we, we try to celebrate these different seasons uh, of tradition and history on the church calendar. And so to close our Epiphany season today, um, we're talking about these pathways that God has illuminated. That's, and specifically over the last couple weeks, and today we're talking about pathways that Christ has illuminated for the restored church community. Uh, so we're, we're looking at what those are. So over the, like, like I said, the last couple of weeks we've talked about it. A few of those pathways uh, that I want to recap. The first one is that we're going to be launching neighborhood collectives. And these are going to be replacing missional communities. So we emailed out a two-page recap of that sermon uh, from a couple weeks ago. If you didn't get that email, let's make sure we have your email address updated. You can fill that out on a connection card. Um, but we, we announced that a couple weeks ago. We're going to continue to talk about what, what a neighborhood collective is. We're really excited for those to start. Bring. Last week, we talked about uh, Restore Church vision, mission, and culture. And also, as Shannon mentioned, Dusty talked about the budget. And I would encourage you to listen 
to last week's sermon uh, and then Dusty's financial update at the end. We emailed out a copy of our 2019 budget. So just to give, uh, just to let you know kind of where we're at real quickly, uh, we have around 15000 in our savings account. We have a balanced budget, but it is exactly balanced. Like there, there is no uh, room for savings right now. And we want to build our savings account up. So that's why, as Shannon mentioned earlier, we would ask you to consider um, increasing your giving or beginning to give to restore church if that's something you're excited about. And I want to continue down another pathway that Christ has laid out for us. And our scripture, um, that, the first couple scriptures, I want to re-communicate the vision and the mission of restore church. So Matthew 6, it's a snippet of the Lord's Prayer that we grab onto as a church community and say, this is what Jesus is teaching us to dream about and to pray about. So verses 9 through 10, he says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it continues, but we grasp onto that phrase right there, that his, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the phrase, the vision that we hear a lot is heaven coming to earth. We talk about that a lot. We pray about that. That's the vision that God has for humanity, and it's the vision that we grasp onto as a church community. The mission is the method for how this happens. And he mentions this at the very end of Matthew, his last words to the disciples in that book, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he lays disciples. The, the mission, the method for how the vision will come to fruition is to make disciples. That's what he's calling us to do. So we believe a big part of how he makes disciples and brings heaven to earth is the culture that he creates in different pockets of the world. So the way that we do church community here in the Silver Spring area, the DMV, it, it looks a lot different than how the church operates in China or Iran. And we, we think about the specific context of what does it look like to make disciples here, to, bring, to participate in heaven coming to earth here. And there's a few pieces of culture that we cling to that we think helps this helps people become disciples, helps heaven come to earth. And Jesus talked about three of those last week. It is inclusion, authentic community, and justice. Those are three sacred parts of restored church culture that we see all over the New Testament, and we practice those. I shared some of the stories associated with that last week. I would, again, encourage you to listen to last week's sermon, because it's beautiful what God has done in our community and continues to do. And then today I want to share the other three parts of our, of our culture and our church. And the first one is scholarship. And I want to start with a speech that the Apostle Paul gave on Mars Hill, which is in Athens. I actually want to show you guys a picture because our first trip to Greece a few years ago, uh, our group was standing on Mars Hill. This is where Paul stood. This is reached to the Athenian people. And that's pretty cool to be able to stand like, wow, 2,000 years ago, this is where he was standing. We saw the ruins of the marketplace. It was pretty fascinating um, to stand there. So he stood there, and in this section in Acts chapter 17, he gives us a glimpse of what it means to be scholarly in regards to communicating the story of Jesus. So I want to read, uh, and that's the, the page I told you to turn to, on page 772, if you want to turn there with me. I just want to read a snippet 
of this moment on Mars Hill. I'm going to read verses 16 through 21. <clears throat> While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly disturbed. I lost my place. <laughs> to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue and with, with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. About 10 verses later, Paul gets, or for the next 10 or 15 verses, Paul preaches to them. And he uses these different strategies. He appeals to the philosophies and the history that they know in order to present this in a way, uh, in a scholarly way. And we kind of grasp onto that 2,000 years later and thinking about where we live and how we communicate the story of Jesus. That's a big deal to us. And we have to think about people's worldviews and philosophies and experiences and habits. And as you, if you read the rest of that story, you're going to see some people really gravitated to what he was saying and others could not get out of their own, live in the philosophies and out of their own worldviews. And that happens here. We live in that struggle now. We live in the midst of, I mean, I'm sure there are some Stoics and Epicureans around. We still see remnants of those because we live in a Western culture. But predominantly, we deal with Enlightenment thinking, like modernism, postmodernism, relativism. Um, we, we live in a highly educated culture. We have all these different um, avenues to learn and to develop our minds and our worldviews. And without getting into the weeds too much, um, the gospel is going to challenge every one of these worldviews. None of them are inherently evil, but none of them can contain the example story of Jesus. So, what, like, let me, a, a quick example. There are, if you YouTube, like, um, apologetics, and you're going you're gonna to find people like Ravi Zacharias and Josh McDowell. These are some of the more popular, like, um, evangelists of the last couple, like, 10, 20 years or so, and they, what they do is they communicate the gospel, but what, what their weakness is, is that it's contained within modernism. So I'm not going to nerd out too much on that, but it's a problem, because what it does is it, may, it, it actually misread scripture and can misrepresent Jesus. And so what we try to do in our church is break personal modernism or postmodernism or relativism and all these different philosophies and worldviews. Personal experience is really high. We live in a really highly individualistic culture where, oh, I've experienced that, so that means it's true. And if it's true for me, it should be true for others. So we have all these different things, and what Christ is going to do is he's going to pull us out of those as this theologian N.T. Wright and world-renowned psychiatrist N. McGilchrist point out, we have a tendency to get fixated in a particular camp or a particular worldview or a particular experience. So in short, an accurate scholarly understanding of Jesus is going to pull us out. And that's going to feel weird. All right? It's going to be countercultural. It's going to rub against our weapon. And what we've come to, you know, nostalgia is a 
potent weapon, all right? It, emotional nostalgia, like, well, this is what makes me comfortable. This is what I know. And Jesus is like, I'm just going to pull you out of that. So the fit, now I did a whole sermon on scholarship two years ago. Listen to that. I'm not going to go any further into it. Um, the fifth part of our culture, and it's our namesake, is restoration. So a few times a year, when we get together for like our anniversary service in October or at our dinner church gatherings, we ask some restored people to share stories of restoration. And it's always inspiring to hear how people have noticed God at work in their lives. And we're going to be doing this again, April 14th. Put that on your calendar. That's our church gathering. We're going to have stories to share. We want to be a church community where your faith can go through the fire. All right? I, I know some of you, if not many of you, have gone through a season in your faith where you maybe even wonder if you believe in God anymore. Or if there is a God, can he be trusted? Is he really good? Is he really all that scripture claims he is? Like These are the types of hard questions that we probably have faced or will face in our faith journey. And we want to be a community where you can ask these types of questions. And a lot of churches give lip service to that. But I really feel like we do a good job of walking with each other through the ups and the downs of following Christ. And um, I actually believe asking, having doubts is a very important part of faith. Asking hard questions of God is a very important part of our faith. We also live in the land of progressivism, but we don't subscribe to that. Our, our, our faith runs counterculture to that. We are restorationists. We believe and live into the reality that God is slowly reconciling all the world, and it will culminate upon his return. So the final thing I want to talk to you about is empowerment. That's the sixth piece of restore culture. And it's the, um, again, culture that has some fun stories and some great and, and big news to share with all of you today. I want to begin by remembering the very last words that Jesus spoke on earth, and that was in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. He's speaking to his apostles before he leaves for heaven. And in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the you have seen? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Christ gives them and us the power of the Holy Spirit, and he leaves, and then immediately angels appear. It's almost as if to say, like, You've got everything you need. Get on with it. Like, what are you waiting for? Why are you sitting here staring up into the sky? Let's go. You've got it. You've been empowered. And that's what we try to emulate at Restore, is that Jesus gives away power. Jesus entrusts. He promotes. It is a belief and a practice that we try to copy in our church community. And the journey continues. So in order to get to the, some of the exciting developments and news I've got to share today, I'll map kind of where we've been over the last seven years as a church plant. So we started seven years ago. We were, um, Carrie and I were hired by a couple of organizations and some local churches to start a church from scratch. I need to pause for just a second on that because uh, I, I don't have this in my notes, but it just happened today. So we started our church at our kitchen table or dining room table. 
And the very first, like, three to four meetings we had, there was, like, six, seven people. One of those people was a man named Jesse, really eccentric guy, and fascinating guy. Lo- loved God, loved people to an unbelievable extent. And Jesse actually just passed away today. And we just found this out this morning. Um, he was sick. He had malaria. Um, not long after he was part of these initial meetings, um, he was part of some, uh, a mission trip to Africa, developed malaria recently, and battled it for five months in a hospital, and he just passed away today. So it was shocking. Like, whoa. He was one of the first people, and probably, I don't know if anybody in this room has ever met him or knew him, but he was part of that original gathering. So just be praying for his family and his friends. It's just shocking. He was in his like, mid-20s, late-20s, just a young man, and it's just like, whoa. Um, but we started at our, our dining room table. These organizations and these churches hired me to be the lead pastor and kind of essentially act as a CEO. But from the get-go, we felt a lot of um, with that model. We didn't see a lot of precedent in Scripture or in the life of Christ. Um, additionally, women, according to the bylaws they presented, were not permitted to be pastors and restore church. Again, felt tension with that from the get-go. Um, theologically, biblically, in practice, lots of tension. I very much felt like Carrie and I were co-pastors and co-planters in this effort. Um, and in practice, we were. Like, I, I didn't, she didn't make a move without me, and I didn't make a move without her. There was, had to be unity there. So a year or so into our plant, I shared with our external management team made up of these, uh, a person from each of these organizations and churches that we are going to leave behind the lead pastor model and we are going to develop a leadership model like we see in Ephesians 4, for example, uh, and other places in Scripture. And we really felt strongly that there needed to be multiple pastors leading Restore Church and not just one. Um, pastors that there was no hierarchy amongst. It was a mutual submission model that one of us did not have more power than the other because we believe that Jesus Christ is the lead pastor of Restore Church in both theory and in practice. So... We also communicated that we believed that women should be in the highest levels of church leadership. And I had no idea how that conversation was going to go. I told Carrie going to that meeting, I might get fired today. I have no idea how this is going to go. It went really well. Um, even though they didn't get this happen move, they were gracious towards us and created a pathway for us to be able to make this happen. And so last year, we formally ordained Carrie as a minister of the gospel. So she's an ordained pastor. Yeah. And... <laughs> It's about time. Uh, And in October, our external management team stepped off and completely turned over leadership to internal pastors and restore church. So that was also a big move. And that is Carrie and I continue on as pastors. And that is Dusty and Shannon Little. Shannon was up here doing announcements earlier, if you don't know her. And then also Jeff Otis, who's actually celebrating being a newlywed right now in the Dominican Republic. So I'm a little mad at him. I'm not there with him. That would be really cool. So those are the f- you're getting pastors of Restore Church, and we call ourselves the leading community. That's kind of the verbiage we're, we're, you're going to hear us use in regards to the pastors of Restore. So we plan to formally ordain the other three pastors in the very near future. That's going to be a, a part uh, of one of our gatherings. And we're going to continue to operate in a manner where we mutually submit to one another's voices and discernment and where we feel like the Holy Spirit's leading our church. Over the past 18 months or so, um, we've started to find that rhythm. We've been doing it for a while now, practicing, kind of getting used to each other, building chemistry and trust, because we're each wired a lot differently, which is, again, intentional. 
Uh, we don't want like dominant personalities. I've been a part of staffs like that. It's not healthy. We want diversity in thought and in practice and in gender and in, in all phases because that's what we see in the New Testament. So as we've been figuring this out, um, we just ask for your grace because none of us are perfect. We're figuring this out as we go. And we do ask for your, your prayers and um, support as we continue to try to pursue the pathways that Jesus lays out for our community. So here's what our roles look like right now. That We've been trying to discern, okay, what do each of our pastoral roles look like? So there's Carrie, and Carrie's really gifted in wisdom, counsel, and discernment, especially in the area of discipleship and recognizing giftedness in others. She also leads our creative uh, and discipleship environments, and she preaches um, she's a paid pastor. She's a, uh, a, a full-time staff member, and she's passionate about making spaces feel warm and people feeling at home when they're in any restore environment, like how the graphics and music go, the, the look of the living room, like everything in here, in there. Um, I picked out like two chairs. All right, I got to take credit for like two of those chairs, but the look and the layout and, uh, of the living room is, is her. Um, and she's also passionate about marriage and family health and is going to be pursuing her master's uh, degree in licensure in pastoral care and counseling. So that's, that's Carrie's role. She needs to start this fall. And then Jeff, who's here, and I couldn't get a hold of a picture of him because he's in the DR and incommunicado. So I just grabbed a selfie that I took of us when we were in Greece on a refugee trip. I'm really good at selfies, though. I mean, that's not bad. Jeff, I can't even see the screen. He's the one, he's the red hair guy with the beard. All right, that's Jeff. Um, he, him, and also Shannon are going to focus on pastoral care. So they are volunteer pastors. Jeff and Shannon are both particularly gifted in thinking and praying for others. Uh, like when we consider making a move or a decision. So for example, I have 40 ideas every day that I think we should try as a church. Like we should do that. We should do that. Shannon and Jeff are really awesome. And at saying, whoa, let's hold on for a second. Let's talk about how this is going to affect people. And not in an annoying way, but in a deeply nurturing, caring way of making sure no one gets left behind. And we really sense they, have a, they each have their own strengths in that regard um, of them speaking into decisions. We don't make moves without them speaking into the process. Um, and there's Dusty. He's our executive pastor. Um, he's also a volunteer. He oversees our finances and our budget. The entire leading community speaks into the budget, and we don't approve it unless it's a unanimous vote. But Dusty's uh, the guy on our team who tracks it like week to week, month to month. He's assisted by our church accountant. Bull is Jared, Jaron, and uh, myself occasionally. And then my role is I lead in the areas of like vision and teaching. Um, you, you, you'll, if you've been with Restore for a while, you'll notice I teach most of the time. So that's your leading community. And we want to know, we want you to know to come to us, especially because we don't get the collective privilege of living every di- everyday life with each of you. Jeff is a newlywed. The Thomases and the Littles have an enormous amount of children that we have to keep up with. Most of our energy goes into that, but we want to know what's going on in your life and how we can pray for you, walk with you through experiences in life. Come to us and let us know how you're doing. We want you to know we're here. There's other parts of five of us right now. So going back to my role a little, the past seven years, other parts of my job have been like overseeing the living room, our social space and event center. Um, I've also served in administrative roles. 
Uh, I'm not going to go into detail about all that stuff, but th that's taken up a large part of my time. And um, I have felt over the last few years that we needed, all of us have uh, in our leading community, that we needed to hire someone to take on these particular roles in our church uh, in order to maximize both the living room and its capability and what we do there. And then we have felt the need for someone who's a really great networker, a great people person. We've also felt like we needed someone on our staff team who is admit, like magically gifted, because I'm not. Uh, and, and who knew how to also knew how to create like magnetic environments, specifically complement our team by leading and planning in, ex in the execution of our Sunday worship gathering. And recently, after I mean, years of prayer and pursuit of trying to figure out who, who is going to do this, who are these people, um, God opened some pathways. And the exciting part is it's two people within Restore Church community, two people that have been a part of our culture and know this place, and you know them. Um, it's something uh, we are truly excited about. It's been an open secret. It's not like this, like, ha ha, surprise. Um, uh, some of you probably know, but we're pumped to formally introduce to you our two new are Liz Steele and Ian Howard. They're both in here today. Liz was singing up here. Ian's over on the computer. Looking good, man. He doesn't have his tiger's hat on. He's not looking as good as usual. Um, Liz, she came on in late September to take on administrative duties in our church. Um, it's been amazing to have her part of our staff team week in and week out. But over, we quickly, over that time, I mean, we recognized her talent in the area of event planning. Um, she felt like God was kind of drawing her into that within the Restore community because she works professionally as a wedding coordinator and event planner. She's incredibly gifted in this area, so she's also going to begin serving as our Sunday environment director. And I am truly a man of many. I hand that over to you, Liz. <laughs> and then Ian, uh, as a man of many talents, he has encyclopedic knowledge of sitcom quotes and gifts. If you're part of the emails he sends out, he also does a really great Michael McDonald impression. And he'll ruin any good song that you want him to by singing it in his Michael McDonald voice. More importantly, he's been working on fundraising his salary for months now, which he loves. He loves fundraising. Yeah. Uh, but he's officially, he's just notified his current employer that he's leaving, and he's going to be coming on staff at Restore the first week of April. So we're really pumped. Yeah. So Ian's going to oversee our living room space, and he's also going to launch for church student ministry. So he's going to have he's going to have his hands full in a great way. We're excited for that. So they are truly a gift to our community as most of you already know who know them. But their ex experience and their expertise and their willingness to step into this new calling ultimately it's going to make our church community stronger and in a really beautiful way. Um, I have some news to share as well as I felt over the last 12 to 18 months tension and that I was trying to discern, like, okay, God, what are you trying to, what are you saying to me? What, what does the future hold? And as we've identified, like, our, our LC taking on specific roles and, and um, gaining uh, a really neat and, like, pastoral authority, and then Liz and Ian coming on and taking on some really, stepping into some really needed gaps that need to be filled and taking those to another level, I felt God kind of directing my attention to refugees. Like, through my prayer time and scripture reading, I just felt like this pull to get more involved in serving refugees locally and globally. I didn't really know how to respond to that. Like, okay, what do I do? I had one organization, and that's Servant Group International, that's led our trips to Greece that 
I really clicked with. I love their staff and their culture. So I just called them and said, can I come work for you? And um, Carrie kind of had to like prod me into doing that. And I, I, I told them, you know, kind of what has been, God has laid on my heart. And, and we flew to Nashville, Tennessee, which is where they're headquartered. And that was in October. And we just felt like this is the right move. Like I need to come on a part-time staff member at SGI. And I'm going to be their field development director. So I'm going to be working part-time for them and part-time for Restore Church starting in March or April. Um, additionally, as part of that requirement, every staff member at SGI has to raise their own salary. <laughs> so I'm doing that again. And it's, been, it's actually going really well. Um, I'm going to be focused, my, my job is going to be focused on recruiting more teams to go over to Greece. Uh, I'm also tasked with expanding our operations into Turkey and into other countries in fine Italy and Spain who are seeing an influx of refugees. Not to start anything, but to find people who are doing it on a grassroots level and figure out how can we come underneath their experience and their authority and serve and bring teams. And so um, fundraising will be a part of it. Like something our missionary in Katerini wants to do is build a community center. I'm like, yeah, I think we know something about doing that at Restore. Um, he needs funds. So I'm going to probably hopefully work with him on fundraising and opening up a community center in Katerini for Syrian refugees who are seeking asylum in Greece. So in addition, there's more. In addition <laughs> to this part-time job, Carrie and I have been working part-time for a missional church planning organization called a two-year. We've been doing that for the past six months. Uh, we've been coaching other church planters through a two-year-long program on basically how to launch, start, and operate a missional church. A church. And our role looks like it's going to expand within V3. So big changes. Um, all of this has started gradually. I'm, like ta I'm talking you through a long process in about 10 minutes here. Um, but it's been a gradual process, and it will continue to be gradual. Um, Carrie and I will continue to be on staff at Restore. Carrie's going to be full-time. I'm going to be part-time. Um, we're not going anywhere. We closed on our first ever home next month in Montgomery County, and we're really excited to not come to my anymore. Uh, we are here for the long haul. We love this place. We love this church. When it comes to my role in RC, honestly, you will probably only notice improvement because I'm not doing stuff that I'm not good at anymore. All right? Um, I'm still going to be teaching um, most Sundays, so you, you, probably, you probably won't even notice much of a difference. That's a lot of news. That's a lot of change. It's exciting, uh, but I know, um, because people tell me, that <laughs> change can be nerve-wracking and, and hard and anxiety-filled for people. Um, so if you do have questions, I hope you'll come talk to us. Uh, but we have really felt the Spirit moving, in, in moving us in these different pathways over the last year, and that months or so. And so I, I want to continue to pray over these movements that we've got going on. So I want to spend some time as we close today in corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is kind of a chorus of prayer. I want God to hear our voices. So in just a moment, I'm just going to give a prompt on the screen. And then together, we're going to each stay at our seats. We're going to pray out loud. Uh, we're all going to speak to God individually um, so that he hears all of our voices at the same time. We want to flood him with requests. And if you're nervous about public prayer, that's okay. That's, that, that's me trying to be pastoral. In my head, I'm like, get over it. Suck it up. No, that's okay. Just pray softly. Just whisper. If you really want to, just pray in your head on what you want. But we just want him to hear our thoughts and our hopes in regards to these prompts 
tell them what you want, you need, and you hope for in regards to these. So I'm going to put the first prompt on screen. I'm going to read it out loud, and then we're going to spend just about 45 seconds to a minute praying over this, and then I'm going to close that part in prayer. We're going to do one more prompt, 45 seconds or so, a minute of prayer, and then I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to sing one more worship song to the God who answers prayers. All right, so the first one is please pray over the names of our leading community and our staff members. Carrie, Aaron, Shannon, Dusty, Jeff, Liz, and Ian. So let's take about a minute to just pray for those people.